Hello, and welcome back to Six Rings, a six-episode podcast recapping ESPN's The Last Dance, a ten-part docuseries on the legacy of Michael Jordan and the 1990 Chicago Bulls dynasty. As always, I'm your host, Sean Glynis, and I'm here with Arlen. How are you doing, Arlen? Hi, Sean. I am. How are you? I'm good. Um, and we're, we're joined um, by a guest, Brian Gerson, who is a documentary filmmaker um, who is from Chicago uh, originally. Um, how are you doing, Brian? I'm doing swell. Thanks for having me, fellas. So can you speak a little bit about um, your background in, in the medium? And um, I guess we can go from there, I think, pretty easily. We, we've been talking a lot about uh, this as less of a basketball documentary and more of, of just, uh, I guess, a piece of film making. But. Yeah, sure. So um, I got my start in documentary film as an intern at Cartemquin Films in Chicago, and they're most notably known for uh, making Hoop Dreams, you know, best, most best basketball documentary <laughs> ever made, I think I think we can all agree upon. Um, Maybe even just So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. So, you know, it started there, and then I gradually, you know, um, just started focusing on my own work, directing, producing, editing, short documentaries, and just in the last few years, I've been lucky enough to work as a feature documentary editor. So um had my first feature doc come out in the fall and I'm working on my second one right now. So I guess with that in mind, what is sort of like, can you brief us on your experiences so far with the, with the show and, uh, and kind of, I guess your, your elevator take of this from something that was carved out of so much archival footage. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to to sort of take a step back and look at it as a whole. I mean, we're, what, eight episodes in now. Um, and it's sort of, it's it's interesting to sort of figure out the distinction of whether, okay, is this a Michael Jordan series? Is this a Bulls series? What like, <laughs> like, what's the balance here? And sometimes I feel like the balance is quite skewed one, one way or the other. I mean, mm-hmm probably more so in Jordan's favor than than just the Bulls as a whole. Um, so it's been, yeah, like as someone who grew up watching as many games as possible, going to a lot of games, um, sort of having, you know, a, a bigger view of, of all these, these things that were going on, um, it's just kind of interesting to see what's being focused on, what's being left out. Um, I mean, overall, I think for a general audience, the it's doing what it needs to be doing. <laughs> like there are yeah. probably plenty of people watching this who don't have the kind of knowledge that people who grew up in Chicago and grew up being Bulls fans have. Um, So I think in the way that it sort of connects these dots has actually been quite good for, you know, people who just don't necessarily have um, a basis in this whole story. I mean, 
you know, in this in this last episode, it was, I do, you know, they talk about this story of the guy who scored what thirty seven on Michael and uh, Bradford. <laughs> like, Bradford. Yeah, so that that was one like that. I that was a story I was not familiar with. So right. I was like, oh wow, you know, that's that's quite it's quite great to get these little golden kernels that I I myself you know didn't know about but um you know especially considering I I thought I was <laughs> like a pretty knowledgeable Bulls fan and and Jordan yeah. fan you know it's nice to see these stories come up that I just wasn't really familiar with or didn't didn't know about so um yeah I mean overall I've really been enjoying the series I think um also like us sort of all being from the same generation like growing up at in chicago around the same time like not being very mature in age when a lot of this stuff was happening not being able to like retain the news cycle and stuff like that um this kind of like fills in some of those gaps but um because i didn't know about that either uh but uh, yeah i think when we were talking with jd last week um he articulated it well saying that it's just trying to be so many things to so many people um and that that really is the case like it's trying to be like about mj's legacy it's trying to be about like um this team as a as a thing that grew over a decade and and grew into like whatever this dynasty it's also trying to be like this zeitgeist thing talking about rodman and um these various like peripheral things that hit the news that weren't necessarily like x's and o's um and yeah, my own personal narrative, I guess, week by week has just been like diminishing returns. Like I, I found myself like just less excited each time. Like once I get into the rhythm, it's it's fine. But like when you get like 30 minutes of just like absolute zero substance, like the beginning of episode seven. And it's just like this is this is just an opportunity for Michael Jordan to like refute rumors again and, and um, that type of thing with nothing new. And then you get like glimpses of these archival things, and but even like you were mentioning, um, what's his name, Le Bradford? Le Bradford yeah. Smith. Yeah. Like that. That stuff's great. Like it kind of like like I, I get pretty like giddy about it. But right. that stuff isn't even archival footage. Like that's just. I mean, it's it's in the NBA domain. It's not part of this like big chunk of behind the scenes type stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What about you, Arlen? Yeah, I mean. You know, you brought up JD saying, you know, it's trying to be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think I think it's sort of settled now into being like Chicago Bulls Wikipedia, the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I think I think that's really what it is. It's it's nostalgia for people like us. And then it's just kind of like this well-established narrative for the people who who might not already be familiar with it um but yeah mm-hmm. Le, Le Bradford smith um scott burrell those were the yeah. like when when they take some time to step away from that narrative from this like 14 year yeah. locomotive juggernaut to just like you know get into the minutiae of something you know where LeBradford right. Le Smith was two games, right? And like um, Scotty Burrell, not the most, you know, the biggest household name. So, like, if I, I feel like those are kind of bones, I guess they're throwing, 
people like us. But yeah, they spent yeah. more time on that than like the championship. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I was like, I was like, you know, checking my watch when they were starting to talk about Space Jam, and I was like, all right, they got they're gonna cram ninety five, ninety six into like twenty minutes, you know, and like mm-hmm. so, you know, that's probably like three to five hours of material unto itself you know you could do an an entire feature on you know jordan losing his first playoff series in years then you know deciding (laughs) that the best way to come back from that is to star in a movie with bugs bunny and then it works he never loses a playoff series again as a bull and and you know has the best season of all time up to that point so um these are all interesting things to discuss and focus on that i think because of the format and the time constraints you know it's it's like last week how they were doing the the gambling and the Republicans don't buy sneak or Republicans do buy sneakers uh, comment. It's like you know we're addressing these things, and now that we've addressed it, they've been addressed. So we're going to move on to the next thing, and it's just kind of like right. that one after the other after the other. So like you know I'd yeah. had I'd I'd hoped last week after they had kind of put the the big pieces on the board with Jordan and Pippin and everyone got their own kind of episodes like all right we can we can breathe we can roam and explore around a little bit um but i think they they sort of stepped back from that potential and just kind of you know got back on the tracks yeah i really like what you're saying about sort of this minutia like they go on these tangents and i was super excited to see the the scotty burrell stuff because that's like a recognizable face to me and like and they used him earlier with like him uh, you know Jordan uh, trash talking him about like um, his hangovers and stuff, and like to build on that was right. like again, again like a small glimpse into what good filmmaking like would look like in this project as a whole. Um, and but it's like yeah, I want to see like the Randy Brown footage. Like I want to I want to see like these things that like <laughs> well, we don't know about. I gotta say, I mean, considering all the all the voices they've crammed into this, I'm fairly upset that no time has been given to Luke Longley given he's the he's the one starter that hasn't you know like had a had, had anything, anything yeah, yeah they, they just haven't he's commented on, on him at all <laughs> there was but, no budget you know, to fly to Australia yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I don't know yeah considering he's a starter I feel like he deserves a bit a bit of time but uh right. yeah I mean there there's just these certain angles that they're not taking and um i mean one one thing <laughs> this is a, this is a different tangent but one thing that struck me out of the episodes um last night is like you know you get this whole section on jordan's father which i i remember distinctly when that was all unfolding and even even those rumors circulating about how this is tied into his gambling somehow but it was just interesting to see the one moment in the series where Jordan starts to like, you see his emotions <laughs> is when he's like, well, if you don't want to be competitive, then you don't want to be competitive. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with this tragic story about his father being <laughs> right. killed. Yeah. It's like, it, it's just like, yeah, it just sort of, I don't know. That was, a, that was quite a telling <laughs> sort of like moment, uh, 
in yeah. terms of when when he show, shows some vulnerability. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, like I've come to kind of, I mean, on one hand, to be to give him the benefit of the doubt, he's probably just so used to that. He just probably like goes into like you know some sort of like lockdown internally. But yeah. um, uh, I've come to kind of dread the the Jordan talking head stuff as like a source of any thing other than I guess pushing the narrative ahead or, or getting these glimpses into like his motivation um which are increasingly interesting as they are made up but um it's also but it, but it has been um useful to try and get your own read on him and like his physical movements like he doesn't seem like he would be a good poker player. Like he seems to have like some massive tells. Like I don't know. Is it just me? Like, do you guys get that too? Like, where you just see like him actually lying or or not letting himself be vulnerable? I think like it's kind of hard, maybe, for him when he is in that competitive spirit to maybe hide his emotions. So I, I get what you're saying. But, you know, there's there's also the possibility that he's a really good poker player because I think what's coming out of this is that, like, Jordan's a low-key psychopath. <laughs> like, like yeah. um, <laughs> th- that's, you know, I think it's something people talked about. People talked about him not being, like, nice. But, like, and, and Jordan himself, before the series started airing, was worried that this would hurt his reputation as, like, a teammate or something. But but really, you know, again and again, it's these like small perceived slights that he keeps bringing up as the motivating factor for his greatness. He's like, which is just like to me is so unrelatable. It's like if yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if if someone doesn't say <laughs> hi to me at a restaurant or something like the George Carl story, you know, maybe yeah. I'll like go home and think about that to myself quietly for like the next five years but like i'm not gonna go out and like commit any acts of greatness uh, on on the heels of it um but like yeah just you know again and again and it's like you know i didn't like the way he looked at me oh he he played defense on me he like you know dropped 30 plus on me so you know i wasn't gonna let that go and it's like well you know you or you could (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's been that was kind of the big thing um this weekend episodes and it had been kind of driving there like kept hinting at like this like mythos that um that is basically i don't know maybe the the entire thesis of the doc and maybe like Jordan as a person now public figure is that uh, it's worth it if you're that good to do whatever you want Um, and and this doc like sort of like has an obvious opportunity to wrestle with that but uh, I'm also increasingly unsure like we talked last week about Jason he her whatever as like basically a corporate plant and now I'm like is is that a real person has anyone seen that that person (laughs) like (laughs) it's it's become apparent i think that he's you know he's a a hired hand right he's someone to helm helm the project um to just put have a director there 
Um, but you know, it's more and more apparent. He's a security guard. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll win the game of coins. Also, just shout out to Soham, who's not with us today. Nothing, uh-huh. We left that unsaid, but uh, he he just had to work. So so miss you, Soham. See you next week. But um, the I think it's really telling. You were talking about how you're dreading kind of the segments where it's Jordan's talking head. It's really telling how you know those segments seem to have become the main backbone of the the series i I think like if you cut up all the screen time um those segments would probably be in like one two or three in those spots in terms of just the content of the series Mm -hmm. and that you know we've talked about Jordan, the specter of Jordan's approval over the project, how he had control over this footage, and that you know there was the whole Ken Burns beef. Did you guys hear about that? No. Oh yeah, I, I heard a little bit about it. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, he came out and was like, you know, with Jordan sitting atop all this, this isn't good journalism. His word. I don't think that's what it's aspiring to. Or good. Right. Or or good. <laughs> Or good history, which maybe is more, you know, what it's trying to be. Um, And, you know, Ken Burns Mm -hmm. certainly has his take on how to do history and, um, you know, is successful or not, depending on who you ask. But um, valid concerns. So when you think about all of that, and yet still we have this portrait emerging of Michael as just like, a really unlikable hard ass you gotta you gotta imagine that either a he sort of misunderstands his public appeal or b like (laughs) he sees this behavior as a point of pride and it's like i'm the best i'm competitive and you know this is a byproduct of that and you know there's nothing else no other way to do it which i think it's probably the latter but um no, I mean, like, you also have to think about how this is, what, like, 20, 25 years removed. So he has undoubtedly just sort of changed in that time. Like, all sorts of things has, have happened in his life. And I think, um, you know, the way he presents himself during his time with the Bulls is just inevitably going to be different as compared to how he presents himself now as this like billionaire, you know, Charlotte owner, you know, just hall of famer. Like so much has happened to, to um, sort of reinforce the idea that he's the shit and that um, he can do no wrong. So I think, you know, 25 years ago, he might've seemed maybe not more humble humble is the wrong word but like slightly more self-aware or slightly more um just not as much of a i don't know psychopath as as our <laughs> i think that he, like he probably i imagine that he's just so much of this person like he can't change like he doesn't have any other way to be and so now he has to not like necessarily now but like um ever since um i think he's had to tailor a narrative to justifying being that way 
Like there, mm-hmm. there was no other way to, to do it. You know, like when you are a psychopath, you're not like, I think I'm going to do that. Like, you know, that's just the way you are. Um, and he, uh, obviously like, you know, in a culture that values, um, success, uh, of a certain, you know, that doesn't include mental health. Um, you can get by with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's well put. I mean, um, you know, Jordan, I think, in the realm of basketball, certainly, but even beyond, you could argue, is one of the most lauded public figures in, in American history. And I think, you know, this is, to some people, detracting from that, I think. I think, you know, yeah. like... Um, there's no arguing what he did on the court, right? Um, but like, did did Scotty Burrell dirt deserve that treatment? You know, to be kind of a whipping boy. You know that that's kind of like a sports frat thing too. It's like a cultural thing. But like, you know, I think like Brian's saying, this is all hindsight and retrospect. And you know, it's it's Jordan's opportunity, like you're saying, Shang, to to set in stone what the narrative and the discourse around his tenure at the bulls is. And like, yeah. he's, he's really going for it, you know, because mm-hmm. this, you know, for better or worse. And I think most of us would say worse is going to be the definitive document on this team in this era. Um, so. And it's doing like a really good job at doing that quality control in very like quick succession. Like, I think about, yeah, I've mentioned my mom is a huge fan and, and she isn't exactly like the most critical person when it comes to, like she's just a fan and she's like, uh, I think like a lot of people quick to also um, justify or, or rationalize things that come out. Um, you know, it's the, same, it's the same thing with like coaches that have been legends that can do whatever they want to like unpaid um laborers it's like well you know the you know what um they have a great relationship they're like a father you know it's just like okay yeah. great but um <laughs> but i think about this uh the the steve kerr thing uh which yeah. i was i i was led to believe that it was going to be like a much larger uh drawn out piece of the film and it's like five minutes of like well, I mean, they do a pretty good job of, like, teasing out, like, uh, what it what it was like to be there. And then the turnaround to, like, and you know what? I'm so glad he punched me in the face because, like, <laughs> we got on so well. I'm so glad that Michael Jordan is such a maniac that he had to hit me in order to, like, see me as somebody worth yeah. respecting. That's, like, nonsense. Yeah, and Bill, Bill Wennington is just like, yeah, he treated us like shit. And guess what? It worked. We <laughs> liked like, it. I wish more people would yeah, do that. Yeah, we liked it. Yeah. I do like that Wennington is like sitting in like like the man cave, like that platonic <laughs> ideal of like a man cave. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how, you know, with sort of the, the general audience vibe we've talked about, how there is a good amount of, um, I guess, kind of, base level knowledge that the filmmakers are relying on the audience to have about certain people and certain times um like you know i don't i don't know that anyone aside from 
Pippin, Rodman, and then a little Tony, you know, has really been introduced. They've just been sort of brought on the screen and then they say their bit. Um, there was Horace Grant talking about those magic teams he was on um, as if, you know, like we had, we had, uh, yeah, this kid, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> Penny Hardaway, he was all right, you know, like, like I think. Couple actors yeah. from Blue Chip. <laughs> yeah. We had Nick Nolte, backup three, um, but yeah, like like if you're a person without any sort of interest in basketball, you know, you wouldn't think twice about it, and and that would be your impression of, of you know just what you're being served. But if you have you know level two basketball knowledge, um, like you're saying well wait a minute kind of right or like you're using okay i know that you know steve kerr uh played for some of the best coaches and went on to become a coach and uh you know led the team that uh beat his own record as a player and all this stuff which maybe they'll get to later but i mean you know like having that as a mental frame of reference for what you're watching as he talks about greatness and like, you know, the being thankful for this incident um, really, you know, adds to it. And, you know, they probably don't need to be explicit about it. I think they've been explicit a lot about a lot and have not really, you know, trusted the viewer in certain cases. So I'm not, I'm not like denigrating the last dance for this, but it's, it's just, it's kind of has wants to have it both ways where it's asking viewers to bring their own set of basketball references to help lend different parts of this meaning while also asking them to endure kind of the rote established narratives, you know, that have been in play for like 20, 30 years. For sure. Well, well put. Um, Brian, you know, curious, you know, with your your background as a feature doc editor, like, you know, um, you have to balance all these disparate kind of uh, elements, you know, archival and, and talking head interviews and, you know, pretty much everything The Last Dance is doing. Um, how, how are you sort of judging the success on, on that front and just kind of pulling all of these disparate elements into a cohesive yeah, package. Yeah, I mean, to look at it from afar, it seems over like an overwhelming project to undertake. I, I like, I personally just wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> it's just you're dealing with so many voices and so much footage yeah. and so many storylines and like just the way that um, <laughs> the 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 timeline jumps from ninety eight to ninety two. You know, it just goes back and forth and. Like they're doing that all the time, and you're like, like I'm just waiting for it to like jump like two months back for no reason, and ju- just just for the sake of jumping back, you know. They're they're really playing with uh, time, which which can be good. It's just they're doing it so much, it could almost you can get lost in it, um, and you know I feel like. You're yeah. You're just kind of hearing from a lot of the same voices until they start playing a new team. And even when they play a new team, it's like you're not really hearing 
much you haven't already heard. I mean, I God only knows how many like post game press conferences they could draw from of like heated heated players or heated coaches right. or, or you know like I'm sure there's gold in that kind of material that I I don't think we've seen um in the, I can't recall seeing like a, a post game press conference thus far but yeah, they're they're paying. They're like, now that you've put it that way, like because I knew the Peyton stuff was coming, and I mean it's cool to see him talk because he's just like a very charismatic guy. Uh, but <laughs> I've seen him say the same thing like five times, and it's like they paid him to like do that. <laughs> like they went and traveled and and like set up everything and paid people to like have him say the same exact thing. And then just just right. for Jordan to refute it, like <laughs> it's like yeah, we we aren't hearing about like you know, well, I would love to hear from Sean Kemp, but he the, leg- the legalized Kemp sign um, was right probably now, the but, highlight uh, of the whole. <laughs> that was great, yeah. But um, uh, but we didn't hear about like how somebody tweeted out that like Rodman was like the finals MVP. It's like that. Yeah. It wasn't touched upon at all. Like that stuff is great. And yeah, yeah. instead we're just getting like this weird balance of stuff we already know. Yeah. The, the Rodman, that's another like glaring omission. Um, you know, George, George Carl says, said like, you know, he was the reason we lost the series. Um, but yeah. yeah, that that's you know going back to sort of Jordan's character and the assertion that he might be a bit psycho, like just his complete inability to like offer up any praise where it might be due. Um, for <laughs> for like for for him to just say like yeah you know Gary Payton solid defender you know like uh, it it was great uh, battling against him in that final series but he he just can't do that he just has, <laughs> he to, has to like self pathologize like yeah I had a lot yeah. of stuff going on man <laughs> yeah Gary, Gary Payton was the manifestation of like all my mental turmoil. Uh, that I was putting in yeah. front of my. It's like, oh, is that who was guarding me? Yeah. I don't. And I, I recall. Uh, I forget the name of the guy Rodman was sort of lined up against in that. Oh, uh, Shrimp. No, it was uh, some Polish-sounding yeah, last name. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, Sheffler? I remember them like going <laughs> at it. You know, and the, like that—that yeah. that sort of stuff. Like, why oh, not oh. include that? You know, I don't know. There's just opportunities to to really draw yeah, up yeah. some of the drama in the series where they don't—they don't necessarily go there. It just sort of all revolves around Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. The thing—the thing you were talking about too, in managing time and like place in this—is like it's at once very structured and regimented but also like it keeps getting changed by design because here we i guess we got kind of three distinct points which are modern day talking heads 97 98 footage (laughs) and then literally everything everything else (laughs) yeah and then everything before and the and then we were jumping around between these three but the distance between 97 98 
uh, and now is fixed, but the distance between then and all the before stuff keeps changing because we're moving through right. Jordan's timeline up until we get to 97, 98. So, like, when you have some some rhythm or flow developing by episodes like, you know, like the middle ones, four, five, six um, in there, like, um, okay, we kind of gotten the hang of this but now you know we're two years before this kind of central 97 98 season that we've been anchored to and like i don't know it just it doesn't feel right or good i don't know it's it i don't think it's what they're supposed to be doing however however they decided to do it it was wrong and (laughs) if they had as i think they should have made this less of a timeline oriented thing and made it more character oriented, which, you know, there were some attempts at in the early episodes kind of making that the, the anchor, um, you know, you could be free to jump all over this timeline and tell all these different little stories and not necessarily make them have to come all one right after the other. Um, and probably would have had a better film. Well, and it's like you were saying about like watching your clock for the Sonic stuff. Like, it was kind of fun for the first three episodes where you were still like adjusting to it. And now, it, now it's just like inevitable that they. But there is no rhythm. But you know that they're going to come back and they're going to do this. And it's just like it's not going to be satisfying. No, I mean it's like you know. Well, we we have two hours left. Speaking of looking at the clock. And like, you know, two seasons, I guess, right, to to cover. And then probably also after retirement, you know, the last hour is probably all going to be about, you know, legacy and aftermath and stuff. So like, yeah, you know, this, I think both the three-peat, the championship eras, right, I think is what everyone was most looking forward to kind of diving into in a level of depth that we haven't been offered. Um, But it's just kind of like, you know, treated the same as everything else. And like, I don't know, like, like, I, I, I totally agree with you, Sean, the, the sort of level of like excitement or anticipation or like, you know, that kind of like giddy feeling that like, oh, it's Sunday night. Like that's that's pretty much evaporated. Yeah. I'm like, looking at Twitter a little bit more. Uh, but yeah. then there's like stuff like um, the Space Jam, the Jordan Factory, like that stuff rules. Yeah. That yeah. stuff's amazing. I want yeah. I want like a movie of that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Had, had either of you heard about that stuff before? I knew that he had a whole court for Space Jam. Yeah. Yeah, and and he was inviting players at, like that. That um, was kind of established in the same way of like those dream team practices, where like these kind of legendary unseen games that you know you only know about if you were there. Um, also, it's important to note, Jawan Howard in those games. Um, literally, I think a year following the release of hoop dreams where he made like a two second cameo um so really juan howard you know really trying to hit hollywood hard uh, at the start of his basketball career and bill bill murray looked 
you know, like in good spirits in that clip, even though I think he's he was noted as saying it's his least favorite role out of anything he's been in. See, they should have talked to Bill Murray. They should yeah, have talked I know. to him about like, I know. Oh my God. And stuff. That would have been amazing. Um, yeah. And they could talk about, you know, the pre-Space Jam uh, NBA clips, whereas like, you know, Bill Murray's like, I forget what he called it, but like kind of his like Zen dream of playing in the league. Um, but hey, you know and we're so they we're got the on filmmaker it. for like a second. Yeah. 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 Um, um, but well, well, just while we're on it, I mean, you know, let's talk about Space Jam. Just as oh, this sure. is this is a yeah. film podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Like uh, I've heard well, good things. You know, I think uh, there was a lot of discourse on Twitter yesterday about this kind of generational divide with Space oh, Jam, sure. where it's like uh, sort of a touchstone, I think, for for people of our generation. And you know, certainly personally, I remember like our school was given some tickets as like a sneak preview. Oh. Um, wow like the week before it came out and I don't remember what the contest was but I won and you <laughs> you can I was in third grade so like just like I could not be more elated to win anything ever than than that then and like um personally I th- I think it holds up um <laughs> I think that's that's probably rose colored um for anyone interested I I did write a piece on Film Inquiry like four years ago called In Defense of Space Jam. Um, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there, I think it really is sort of a cultural touchstone for, for us in terms of like a certain aesthetic, um, the soundtrack certainly, um, the kind of onset of the internet age there's the whole thing about the website that has been around since it's you know been came out um and there's also the mix of like actors and like the live action and animation stuff was huge like the cool world totally type of stuff yeah the soundtrack like, i mean R. Kelly, the, yeah. uh, <laughs> but like you know back to myth making and narrative making like jordan I think it was NBA 2K11 or 2K12. Um, that was the Jordan game where you could like play as Michael going through some notable games throughout his career, and you had to like achieve the same stats that he got. Oh yeah, um, and he great. talked about it oh. at the time why he was finally allowing his likeness to be used in a video game, and he was like, "I think kids only know me from Space Jam," or like, "There's a certain." like a cutoff age where people know that I me from Space Jam and they don't know what I accomplished. And I think that's probably the same impetus for, you know, doing the series. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, people, he's like, kids only know me from chaos in the Windy City. They don't even know I play basketball. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really care uh, a whole lot about Space Jam as a thing, but it definitely was a big part of my childhood. Like, in class like we watched it like in school all the time yeah. uh, but uh, I don't but like you were saying that you, you know you could have seen a movie about those practices and there is like there's the fact that they built the court which is interesting there's like the fact that he was inviting these players to come and have these great games which is interesting 
Then there's like the scouting stuff or whatever that was also interesting. And then there's also just like his work ethic that is like ridiculous. Um, and it is funny to just get this like little glimpse and just be like, no, 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 don't go away from this. Like whatever you're going to do is a bad choice. And also like, yeah. you know, let, let's talk to like yeah. a studio executive about, you know, how, how often are you making like um, concessions to your, the star of your film where you're building an entire workout facility, providing all this equipment, um, you know, giving him free range during, throughout the day to be working out and holding practices when you're, you, you don't need him on set. Like I'm sure in, in most uh, productions, like there'd be some insurance liability issues with that. But like, um, yeah. yeah, there there's there's a lot to explore there. Brian, do you have thoughts about Space Jam? I mean, it's pretty good, right? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, like I I just I recall it being it was an event when it came out in Chicago. It was the thing to see and do, and I do re- I remember seeing it in the theater, and everyone was you know, to the nines and all their Jordan and Bulls gear. And, you know, just the crowd was electric seeing that. Well, the kids at least were electric seeing that movie uh, in the theater. It was just you're seeing your hero on the big screen with your cartoon hero, too. (laughs) Doesn't. Yeah, I think it's hard to kind of wrap your head around too, like. For whatever reason, it made sense. The the two biggest names in culture, Michael Jordan and Bugs Bugs Bunny. Bunny. Like, 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 at least as a, as a, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old, you're like, oh yeah, for sure. Like that, that totally tracks. But like, I, I don't know that the Looney Tunes in general, you know, have the same brand awareness among kids today that, but like, you know, when you're talking about kind of the expansion of cable of the mid '90s, and like uh, Cartoon Network was coming on the scene, and Nickelodeon, you know, still um, was licensing old shows, and and like so were networks, right? Like on on any given station, you could probably find Looney Tunes playing uh, like sometime that day. Um, so f- if you were a kid, like just kind of the constant uh presence of bugs bunny at all yeah. like uh was was Batman very tangible <laughs> yeah i mean well it was this whole warner brothers synergy thing right and like the the looney tunes started showing up at like six flags and like they were all like street with like yeah sagging pants and backwards hats and stuff i mean like like yeah, go for No, it. I just think Space Jam is the apex of capitalism. Is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> it's really, yeah. That's really what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, and I, thank God for that. I, uh, off camera here, I've got like an old Space Jam quilt just hanging on a chair, like apropos of nothing, but just like, you know, spa- <laughs> Space Jam continues to be present. Did, um, did you guys ever. For whatever reason. Did you guys watch Pro Stars ever? 
like oh the Wayne Wayne Gretzky yeah yeah. oh yes yeah yeah Uh, that's another thing that's not really touched on I I have (laughs) I mean but like so we're talking about like how it could be all of these or it wants to be all of these things and when we think about like 30 for 30 if this is like a 30 for 30 doc um, films that have like the Bo Jackson one talked about... Actually, I don't know if Pro Stars was talked about. They might have, but they talked about, like, Tecmo. <laughs> they talked about Tecmo. They talked about, like, um, yeah. the video game stuff. But just, like, they captured the zeitgeist, um, like, how much he enraptured, like, a certain portion of sports fans um, in the uh, pop cultural sphere um, in a way that was brief but very satisfying. Um, and this had 10 hours, and it, like, yeah. doesn't really do that at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, um, like we talked about, the the Bulls were an economic engine for the region of Chicago, and yeah. and you know, Michael. The reason Michael Jordan had so many endorsements uh, is because like it worked, right? Like he made all these companies money. For God knows why, I'm wearing Hanes right now. No other, no other reason, right? Than like, well, if I, you know, have to pick an underwear, I guess it's the one Michael Jordan wants me to wear. Why wouldn't I? Also, that's kind of weird. Like when you think about that, that's fairly odd. Yeah. Right? It's fairly odd, but like, uh, <laughs> it was just. In fact, in fact, I think the last pack I bought came with trading cards with Jordan trading cards in the in the bag. Um, How old which is like w- <laughs> this is within the past year, and I mean, it's yeah, like you're talking about someone who re- who's been retired for like 20 years, right? And they're still including his right. cards in your underwear, like, like, no, say whatever you will about Jordan, but like the just in terms of figures, like American figures, historical figures even removed from like his prime and his like um you know like context his like primary context he's still such a presence for whatever reason in a way like no other figures are like um it's it's weird like like even when there's nothing else going on you know if if the quarantine wasn't happening and the NBA was going on right now and there was no last dance, there would still be people talking about having the goat conversation. You know, there would still be people on Reddit posting like, you know, nineties bulls clips. Like it's just such a, I don't know, man. It's in my underwear. It's weird. (laughs) Yeah, it was, which, which kind of makes, um, Maybe it's because I'm not really into conspiracies and, and whatever. At least, I mean, not this one, at least. Like, I, I find it hard to indulge the um, the dad stuff. I don't know about you guys, but I think this is one part that I guess is convincing, that it probably wants to be convincing, that I bought, is that because he was such a huge star, that there was legitimate reason for him to want to take a break. I mean, obviously the dad stuff, but for him to want yeah. to stop, um, it, that's, it's very viable to me. Not that, I mean, yeah, yeah, you guys can weigh in, but, um, I mean, we don't have to like go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just a combination of everything and the, yeah, his, his dad, uh, passing just 
was yeah was sort of the thing that really impacted him enough to to just make that call i you know that's that's the sense i got but yeah i think there i forget who it was um in the episodes but you know someone was brought on to make the point you know like david stern would really you know nuke his own star money maker um for some like you know backdoor punishment that you know no one would even know like it it does seem kind of far-fetched when we talk about the height of capitalism and as we've been Mm -hmm. discussing here like so um you know i think i think it's a it's a guy who could do whatever he wants and you know for whatever reason wasn't doing what he wanted and like yeah i i do i do buy the kind of classic introspection need to take a a break a step away kind of narrative um maybe only because it it's one of the few points of relatability of of michael um and what's been presented right yeah like like you know like oh yeah you know all this unprecedented pressure and scrutiny and media attention like yeah that probably would weigh on someone after 10 years right like i um that that and the putting on his shorts backwards uh the first game back (laughs) those that that was the other time i could relate to michael jordan but um yeah they they didn't talk about the the, when someone stole his jersey and he wore 12 yeah i was just gonna say yeah yeah that's that would have been neat yeah yeah, I mean, I'd like to hear more about the people that, like, got Rodman's jersey in the stands and brought it home <laughs> to, you know. Right, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear more from Jeremy Piven. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I guess I guess we know what's left. Well, what's funny is, so this, these two episodes just covered... Yeah. Well, I guess it, it covered the baseball and then the 96. So I guess the next two, like we said, will cover 97 and 98. I, I think I'm really looking forward to all of the jazz stuff. Like, I think that'll help with the timeline of ju- ju- juggling two years as it being one team. Um, I think that's going to be really fun. And I, I hope we get to hear from, like, Carl Malone, awful human. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. I, I, one of the things that we had been talking about previously, Brian, and I, I'd like to get your uh, response to this. Um, we've been talking all along the way about what we, you know, wish this project would look like, or we've talked about filmmakers that um, we think would would really whip this into shape. Is there a filmmaker that you think about uh, when you watch this that you wish, like um, Pie in the Sky, that could have access to this and turn it into something? Yeah, probably like Frederick Weissman. <laughs> that's, that's a common. Is that the common? Is that the common one? Yeah, Frederick Weissman or uh, or uh, Les Blank, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's really hard. I have to stop myself from thinking about what the Weissman thing would look like because it would just be so yeah. good. <laughs> it would all, it would also be so long. <laughs> well, yeah. And, but like, imagine, imagine watching 
like National Gallery and you are like uh, like you you grew up like loving the London Museum you know and then all of a sudden like this comes out and you go oh my god I get to just like watch this before you know like it's not just a good movie but it's a good movie about something that you've just like thought about your whole life um, that would be ridiculous yeah yeah it's a lot missed opportunity uh, yes <laughs> the um other thing we have to get Brian's take on is we've brought up a couple times this fabled Scotty Pippen estate sale. Um, Brian uh, is one of the people who attended that sale and procured the out to sea one sheet uh, as in addition (laughs) to some other items. So can you just tell us what, what else you, you got there and, and just sort of what it was like to be walking around in Scotty Pippen's house and, and, you know, essentially rifling through his stuff so he could pay off his debts. Well, I, so I don't know, I don't know if this has been clarified thus far, but so it was, it was an estate sale of the owners of this house that bought it from Scotty Pippen. I see. But, but okay. <laughs> but they like essentially bought all of his things so it was I still see. you know it was still just a house full of scotty pippen items um i bought scotty pippen's poster of michael jordan <laughs> oh. um, and do you still uh, have it? i do yeah i do i think it's in my closet <laughs> um and it's like this very seductive <laughs> like, <laughs> picture of Jordan. It's kind of great. Like he's he's he, it's from the shoulders up, and he doesn't have a shirt on. And he's just like, yeah, it's kind of weird. But is uh, it like a um, is it a professionally made like? I mean, is was it a re- like a reproduction of like a famous poster, or was it like a personal item? It was yeah. It was probably just a reproduction of of sure. some kind, but. Um, so about that, and then yeah, like uh, our friend David found this girl's gone wild tape, and it just sort of like kind of turned into this like yeah, just like musical chairs situation of like passing the tape around. It was in my Toyota Camry for years, and then uh, I think I ended up just like I kept yeah, I just I I think I just uh, <laughs> gave it back to. Left it in David's it car back at to one Scotty. point because I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that would be nice to like just keep it around. And either get his autograph or, or just like give it back to him. Like, hey, S- send it to him yeah. in the mail with a, a handwritten letter that just says "I know." Yeah. yeah. Um, so why do you think he had a? a I mean, I'm I, I grew up a fan of Out to Sea, but why do you think he had? And did you know that that's what it, what you were grabbing, or was it just like a rolled up thing? Oh yeah, there was there was like a whole movie posters like section to oh, this weird. estate okay. sale. Yeah, so that was that was one of them. Um, I can't really remember the others, but I I remember seeing Out to Sea and and uh, and you know I'm a big Walter Matthau, <laughs> uh Jack Lemon guy kind of guy, so. You know, just the idea that Scotty was, you know, had this poster. I mean, Scotty had some good taste. You got to give it like to him. To, you know I saying? like to picture Scotty like being being invited to the premiere <laughs> and just having this like Robert De Niro and Cape Fear viewing experience. <laughs> what about to see? 
Was Scotty ever in uh, any film? Well, he must have been in, like, I think he might have appeared in He Got Game in, like, a montage of all those players. Maybe. But I can't can't recall him being in anything. He was in the Mr. Sub commercials. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's, It's weird. You think about... There were contemporaries, right? It's weird he wasn't in Space Jam, isn't it? Considering, yeah. like, yeah. all the all-stars they got for that. You would, you know, maybe he he didn't want to be the sidekick. But, like, um, we, we heard about this recently with, with LeBron's Space Jam sequel. And there were people who were offered roles that I think, you know, didn't want to come in as a second fiddle type to LeBron. Um, so that, that probably plays a role. But, yeah, you know, Scotty notably absent from um visual media at the time i guess yeah but like but mugsy bogues acting career he's a great like, took he's off a great he was, i mean he was in he was in space jam he was in curb your enthusiasm i think that's about it but <laughs> uh you know bogues like just himself. the fact that he got yeah. W- got yeah just the <laughs> fact that he got an additional role out of space jam i think he impressive. might have been in eddie i can't remember oh you're right he's on crutches in eddie oh, okay. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I remember seeing him yeah huh. well <laughs> i think that's a good stopping point uh, <laughs> Watch Eddie on YouTube. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for thanks for joining us, Brian. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. It was pl- it was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the the last two episodes. Yeah, I hope um, you guys do as well. Yeah, we'll we'll be back to talk about them, and hopefully, Soham will be with us then. Um, until then, goodbye. Go Bulls. Goodbye.